Welcome to the Positive Sports Podcast. I'll be your host this evening, Ed Montana. As you can see, the screen looks huge because it's just me today. Alex is unavailable. And so you'll get the light version of the Positive Sports Podcast. You will get just me. So let's start off by saying this. If you guys are watching this or listening to this, you know that you can get our show on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean. I said Spotify, right? That's a new thing here lately. So don't forget to catch us on all of those platforms or any of those platforms. Like, subscribe, comment. If you want to reach out to the show, you can do so via email, positivesports10 at gmail.com, positivesports10 at gmail.com. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can do so on Twitter at emontana21. And if you want to get a hold of my brother, you can do so on Twitter as well at brooklyngaucho1 and tell him to get his ass back on the show. Just kidding. He's busy. We're all busy. Life kind of gets in the way of this fun stuff that we do sometimes. It's unfortunate. It's a light week in the world of sports. Our main sports are kind of, you know, just cruising along. NFL free agency is going on. The NBA season is kind of in that middle point. So it gives us an opportunity to focus on some other stuff and to look at other things. And, of course, the biggest thing is March Madness and the tournament. Now, March Madness to me is probably one of the most exciting, at least the first few days of the tournament, some of the most exciting stuff you can watch. It's just great. You have all of these mid-major schools that no one has really heard of and no one really knows who the players are, and they come along and they upset your vaunted a Big Ten team, a two seed like Ohio State, or you know Iowa gets bounced. Um, <clears throat> so it just kind of works out that way um, that you have these smaller schools, and that's really what makes it exciting. Now I've heard people make the argument that it's it kind of sucks because you don't get the best team to win the national championship, and I disagree because ultimately the team that does win six games in a row to finish the season is a very high-quality team. It's usually not a 13 seed. In fact, it's never been a 13 seed. The lowest seed to ever win a national championship, I believe, is a 9 seed, Villanova, in 1985. And so, eventually, you you will get a very good college basketball team that will win six games in a row and be crowned the national champion. And, of course, this year is a little bit different than previous years. It's all taking place in Indianapolis, all 67 games or however many games there are. I think it's 67 when you count the play-in games. And so the excitement level is a little bit different, very limited fans. I think it's only about five to 10,000 fans. So it's not the raucous atmosphere that you get um, in in tournament like in past years, but you still get a lot of excitement. And... We've gone through one weekend, we're down to the, the Sweet 16, and there's a few takeaways. Every year we go through this, it seems like. We talk about how great one conference is, and oh, look at this conference, they're going to get nine bids or eight bids or whatever. And we automatically assume that because this conference gets all these bids, that all of these teams are great, and that you know they're, they're going to put five teams into the Sweet 16. And it almost never works out that way. This season, the two best conferences have been uh, the Big Ten 
and the Big 12. Uh, the ACC is down a little bit. The Big East is down a little bit. Uh, the Pac-12 is never really considered one of the major players in the NCAA tournament. But here we are after one weekend down to 16 teams. We've gone from 68 down to 16. And lo and behold, there's only one team left from the Big 10. Only one team left from the Big 12. And we have a whole bunch of Pac-12 teams. In fact, we have so many that there's actually a Pac-12 matchup. I think USC and Oregon are playing in the Sweet 16. If I'm not mistaken, we've got five teams from the uh, Pac-12 in the tournament. So, I never, I shouldn't say never, I try not to listen to the pundits in terms of which conference is so great because it almost always ends up skewed. A conference, just because they get a lot of teams into the tournament, doesn't automatically make them the best conference. And and while they may be the best conference in terms of teams gotten in and maybe even produce a national champion, it doesn't mean that all of their teams will go far into the tournament. Now, obviously, people expected more from Ohio State and Iowa that were two seeds and Illinois, which is a one seed. But... <clears throat> Again, when you have so many teams coming out of one conference, it's easy to overstate their value, right? Um, if you're gonna put, if you're gonna pull in nine teams from one conference, inevitably you're gonna sprinkle that throughout the the seating, and usually it's one through about eleven is the at large. You're gonna end up with maybe multiple one seeds or, or multiple, you know, one and two seeds, and. And that's what happened this year with the Big Ten. It also happened with the Big 12. You had West Virginia, which was highly rated. You had Kansas, which was highly rated. They're both gone. Oklahoma State was highly rated. Oklahoma was highly rated. They're all gone. They're gone as well. So <clears throat> I guess my my, uh, my 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 kind of my parting shot with this is, look, this is why we love the NCAA tournament. This is why we – because a team like Oral Roberts, which – I don't even know what conference they play in. A team like Loyola Chicago, yes, Sister Jean is back. I don't know what conference they play in, but they can make it to the Sweet 16. Now, generally, this is where they fizzle out, right? This is where they the slipper falls off of Cinderella and they get bounced in the Sweet 16 game or the Elite 8 game. They don't usually make it to the, to the Final Four. There are a few exceptions. VCU a few years ago. Butler was a... Back in the day before Butler joined the Big East, um, George Mason a few years ago. So there are exceptions, but there are very few exceptions. And so I think as we get here into the second week of the tournament, you're going to see those big names make it. We're going to we're gonna see those big names, that cream rise to the top. Uh, Gonzaga's still in it. Baylor's still in it. Michigan's still in it. Um, USC, which is very good, is still in it. Um, <clears throat> Florida State is very good. They're still in it. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of good teams left. And I think now, you know, now we're going to see a little bit of, of what we expected to see, right, in, the, uh, in this tournament. And we're going to see those big names and those big, uh, those, those marquee matchups that we, that we expected we're going to see them now. Um, we're going to see them finally come through and um, <clears throat> and uh, rise to the top, as they say. It's uh, it's only a matter of time. This coming weekend, we'll get down to four. And um, 
you know, here we go. The sad part is, you know, you do still have situations like, um, like the Oregon VCU situation where Oregon <clears throat> ended up uh, uh, advancing in the first round because VCU had multiple positive tests, and uh, you know, that happens. The, that's the new, unfortunately, right? This is the new world that we live in, and this is kind of what we're gonna have to get used to. Uh, these things are going to happen. You still have Houston in it, um, Arkansas, which is very good. You know, there's still a lot of good teams left. Uh, yeah, it, it should be Alabama still in it. Alabama's a two seed. I apologize to the SEC for for getting them, but <clears throat> you know, we're we're gonna get we're gonna get some really good games this week, and then we will get down to the Final Four, which is super exciting in and of itself. So. Uh, like I said, my parting shot, just because a conference gets a lot of teams in, doesn't mean all of them are going to make it to the Sweet 16. Doesn't mean all of them are going to make it to the Final Four. You just got to be patient with these things and go from there. <clears throat> the other big tournament that was on this past weekend, and it's a, it's just a one-weekend tournament, was the NCAA Wrestling Championships. Now, we don't talk very much about wrestling and I'm not talking about WWE. I'm not talking about The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan. I'm not talking about that kind of wrestling. I'm talking about old school Olympic style wrestling. Grappling. When guys grab each other and try to control their bodies and get takedowns and pins and not hit each other with steel chairs. So it's not that not that old, not the kind of wrestling you watch on Saturday morning with with your with your dad back in the day or on Monday. On Monday nights with your uh, with your kid now, it's not really awesome wrestling. It's not Monday Night Raw. It's college wrestling. Now let me tell you, we don't talk a lot about wrestling, <clears throat> and I don't watch a whole lot of wrestling. But when you get to the NCAA tournament, it's like I said, it's one weekend. I watch the NCAA wrestling tournament. It is to me, it is super exciting. I understand most of the rules, and as you know, I'm a sports junkie, so I'm entertained by just about all sports. But the wrestling, the NCAA wrestling championship is fascinating. Just to give you guys an idea of how it works, right? You score points for takedowns, escapes, riding time, uh, near falls, which is a pin, and then a pin, you know, finishes the match. And you wrestle three periods. First period is three minutes, second period is two minutes, third period is two minutes. So you're thinking, seven minutes, how hard can this be? What's the big deal? It is extremely difficult. These gentlemen are very strong for their size. They have incredible grip strength. Right? There's a lot of grabbing and tugging and pulling on each other. And when they get locked up, it is, they are using every muscle in their body to try to control the other person, to try to escape the, the position that they're in. It is a full body flex for the entire time that they're in that position. So in that first period where it's three minutes, I think a lot of times they kind of take it easy that first minute. They try to feel each other out, figure out what's going to work to take the other guy down. But sometimes they get right after it. And certainly in the second and third period where one starts in a, can, can start in a compromising position, one will start in the down position and the other guy behind him, 
it is basically a full two minute full body flex. And for those of you who have never wrestled, I wrestled in high school, like in gym class, right? But I got paired up with someone who was on the wrestling team one time. And I mean, he tied me into a pretzel. And he he taught me how to use my legs as well as my upper body because you feel like it's just your upper body, right? You're grabbing the other guy, pulling on him, trying to, trying to take him down. But once you get down on the ground, it is, like I said, it is an entire body flex. And when you learn how to use your entire body to try to control somebody else, it is extremely difficult. It is extremely taxing. And these guys go out there and they start off in the round, I believe, a round of 32. So the round of 32, 16, 8, 4, 2, and, you know, to get to a champion. So they have to win five matches. And they do it over the course of three days. Three days or four days? I'm not sure. I don't recall. Let me let me check. Uh, I want to say it's um, three days. It is three days. So they start the brackets <clears throat> from... 32, they go down to 2, and that's where you get your national champion and runner-up. But then as you lose, you get pushed into what's called the wrestle-back the, the wrestle brackets. And that is to determine who is going to be the third-place finisher. So the 16 losers from the first round bracket off in the wrestle-back, and then... They, they whittle themselves down until there's one guy who is the third place finisher. So even if you lose, you get one more chance at it. It's, it's kind of like a double elimination tournament. There is obviously some status to being third, right? The bronze medal. So these guys, you know, and you, you, obviously each school has their own team of, of people. There's 10 weight classes starting at 125 pounds all the way up to 285 pounds, which is the heavyweight division, which heavyweight is basically everything over 197, for crying out loud. These guys have to make weight every single day. So it's not it's not like the UFC where they make weight one day and then they can weigh whatever they want come fight day because it doesn't matter because they have to wrestle again the next day and again the day after that. So they're wrestling pretty much at their natural weight. There's not a whole lot of weight cutting that goes on, which is good, okay? And you've got guys that you get down to the finals on Saturday night. And let me tell you, it's super exciting. I love it. They've got on 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 Thursday, on the first day, right? You can well imagine if you have 32 in each bracket, that's 16 matches, 10 weight classes, that's 160 matches. So they have it at the big uh, at the big arena in, uh, in in St. Louis. I forget the name of the arena. The Enterprise Center in St. Louis. And they've got eight mats going on at the same time. And so you can, you know, they have a special screen on ESPN. And you can watch all the matches simultaneously. It is, it is March Madness on steroids. It's great. I mean, if you love wrestling, this is like heaven, right? Um, you've got all these matches going on. They do the round of 32 and the round of 16, I believe the first day, along with the first round of the wrestlebacks. The second day, they, they go from, they do the round of 8 and 4 to get down to 2. And they do the wrestlebacks all the way till you get down to 2 as well. 
And then they do the 10 third place matches early Saturday. And then Saturday night, it's one mat in the center of the arena. They turn down the lights. And it kind of becomes like Monday night wrestling. Like WWE wrestling, right? They turn down the lights. They have music blaring. And the wrestlers come out. They introduce them one by one. You know, they... They, the the guy from the red side and the guy from the green side and they they run out to the mat take off their sweats shake hands and go at it and so there you are you mano a mano with someone else with another guy of equal weight and size and you uh you wrestle for the NCAA championship and let me tell you something these guys are look. They're disciplined in every sport. Don't get me wrong, right? Every single athlete that makes it to the collegiate level is an extremely disciplined athlete who has spent thousands upon thousands of hours working on their craft, whatever that is, basketball, baseball, wrestling, lacrosse, field hockey, whatever it is, right? But wrestlers are a different breed. These guys are a different breed, If you've ever been good friends with a wrestler, I was good friends with a wrestler in high school. They are completely different. Their dedication is insane. They've got to watch their weight all year. And they wrestle and they wrestle constantly. Constantly. They wrestle every single day. They work on technique. And it's like a scrimmage every single day. And some days they'll wrestle with with the guy who's lighter than them. To work on their speed, and some di- some days they'll wrestle with a guy that's heavier than them to work on their strength. It is insane the amount of effort that these guys put in. In my opinion, wrestlers are probably the most mentally tough athletes there are. There's no glory. There's no tomorrow. There's no professional career to go to. It's not like you win the NCAA championship and you get drafted into the WWE. Your career is over once you're a senior. That's it. You can go on and continue to wrestle to try to win the Olympics or the world championships. But really, it's a a labor of love. You do it for the passion of the sport. Because there is no million-dollar contract waiting for you to join some professional league. There is no big multi-million dollar endorsement deal from Nike forthcoming. You just do it for the love of the sport. And the grind that these guys have to put themselves through is beyond intense. Like I said, they wrestle all year round. One of the interviews after the guy won the national championship, I believe it was Nick Lee from Penn State. They asked him, you know, how does it feel to be a national champion? And he said, great. And tomorrow I'll be right back at practice. Tomorrow, Sunday, after just winning the national champion championship, he's a sophomore. I'm going back to practice tomorrow. I mean, if that doesn't tell you the dedication and the hard work and the nose to the grindstone that these guys have... The mental strength to continue to push their bodies, no matter how tired, no matter how sore, no matter how how fast that opponent is, no matter how heavy that other opponent is, 
No matter what happens in the wrestling room, they keep going. And they keep going and they keep going and they keep going. To me, the most mentally tough athletes I've ever seen. Congratulations to the University of Iowa. They won the team competition. They won their 24th NCAA national title. Congratulations to Penn State, who out of the 10 weight classes had four individual champions. There were several Iowa versus Penn State championship matches in different weight classes. Congratulations to Penn State for putting up four, four national, four out of 10, 40% of the national champions. Can you imagine? I mean, that's just, that's crazy when you think about it. Four out of the 10 national champions are from Penn State. They went four and oh, the four guys they put in the finals all won. And every single interview was the same. It's just what we do. One was a freshman, one was a sophomore, one was a junior. Didn't matter. They all had the same attitude. This is what we do. When the lights are brightest, we come and perform. That's it. There's no and there was no question that they were going to win. No question in their mind at all. None. Congratulations to Stanford, who uh, during the pandemic last year made the decision to shut down several sports, one of which was wrestling. To give you an idea of the wrestling community. Stanford showed up at the NCAA Wrestling Championships in black singlets that said nothing. They wore black sweatshirts that said, Keep Stanford Wrestling. Their boosters and alumni of the wrestling program raised $12.4 million to create a self-sustaining endowment for the wrestling team so that they would not shut down the wrestling program. Unfortunately, the people at Stanford University, the regents, the administrators that run uh, athletics at, at Stanford decided that they were still going to shut it down. And I'm not sure for all the reasons why, and I don't, I'm not laying blame. I'm sure they have good reasons, whatever. But they're still going to shut it down. <clears throat> they produced a national championship. One of, those, one of those 10 weight classes at 165 pounds, Shane Griffith won the national championship. How mentally tough does that kid have to be? At one point, he had put his name into the transfer portal because he didn't know if he wanted to go through a season at Stanford knowing it would be the last season. Talked to his coaches, decided to stay, and worked through that uncertainty. The uncertainty of the pandemic, the not being able to train inside. Remember, Stanford's in California. The difficulties of being able to gather, wrestled out, they practiced outside until December because they weren't allowed to have groups of 10 or more inside. He put in all of that effort. And on Saturday, he was rewarded with a national championship. One that he very well earned. Hats off to all these guys. Roman Bravo Young from Penn State, Nick Lee from Penn State, Austin O'Connor from North Carolina, David Carr from Iowa State, Shane Griffith that I mentioned from Stanford, Carter Star Starocci from Penn State, Aaron Brooks from Penn State, A.J. Ferrari from Oklahoma State. Is there a better name than A.J. Ferrari? I mean, that guy's got movie star written all over him. And Gable Stevenson from Minnesota. 
And now I left one guy off that list because I want to talk a little bit about this guy. He's a finalist for the Hodge Award, which is the wrestling's equivalent of the Heisman. Him and Gable Stevenson, the heavyweight, are the two favorites uh, to win the Hodge Award. At 125 pounds, Spencer Lee from Iowa won the national championship. Now, why did I leave this guy for last? I've been talking about the mental toughness of these wrestlers, right? And how incredibly tough they have to be to wrestle every day, to grind and grind and grind the way they do. Spencer Lee may very well be in a different category all to himself. The guy had not one, but two ruptured ACLs and still wrestled. And still won a national championship. I mean, you you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's ridiculous. Again, the level of toughness that these wrestlers have. So let me tell you something. When you see a guy with those messed up ears from wrestling, just know this. No matter how nice of a guy he is, no matter how soft-spoken he is, that is one tough dude. I promise you. I promise you. He's a tough guy. There's no two ways about it. Hats off to those 10 guys that won national championships in their respective weight classes. Moving on. We'll talk a little bit about... Well, I should say I will talk a little bit because there's no one here to talk with me. I'm going to talk a little bit about the NBA because it's kind of odd talking about the toughness of these collegiate wrestlers and now having to move on to the toughness or lack of toughness of some NBA guys because the news this week has been more about a couple of guys who aren't playing than guys who are playing. Let's start with Kyrie Irving with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, It was announced that he will be taking a few days off for personal reasons and will miss the three-game road trip for the Brooklyn Nets. Look, we can certainly take this, we can go either way with this, right? We can jump on Kyrie for having to take care of personal matters during the season. It seems like, not that he's he's the only guy, but, but this is now the second time. And it just seems like, does this guy want to play or does he not want to play? Or we can take it from, look, it's the regular season. We all have families. Shit happens. You know, he's taking care of his personal life. How can you begrudge him that? So I, since I'm here by myself, I will argue both sides of it. There's a certain chemistry that's necessary, I believe, to win an NBA championship. To win a championship in any team sport, you need some kind of chemistry. You need some kind of unity and cohesion. And with Kyrie missing now uh, this road trip and missing earlier in the season and violating COVID protocol that caused him to miss a few more games, plus the injury he, injury maintenance day off here or there, and already bringing in a new player in James Harden and really, you know, even Kyrie and 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 Kevin Durant are kind of new to each other. They haven't played together all that long. You know, they're trying to build that cohesion here during the season we're, we're about 45 games in there's a little less than 30 games you know 27 28 games left in the season you don't have much time before you get into the swing of the playoffs you want to build that cohesiveness 
and you want to build that camaraderie, that tele- telepathic energy that, that comes between good teammates, right? Um, I think every time we see a team win an NBA championship, a Super Bowl championship, a, 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 a World Series trophy, that team has that special unity, that special cohesiveness, that special work together that makes it work. Remember, these guys spent a lot of time together over the course of a season. And you have to you kind of have to like who you're working with in order to win. Now there I'm sure there have been some exceptions, right? I can think very famously about the 1986 Mets who had a bunch of basket cases, but very very driven by that one goal of winning that World Series. And it's not lost on me that they didn't win another one again, partially because they didn't quite have that same lockstep unity, right? Um, but every champion has it. And with Kyrie missing as much as he is, it makes it tough. right? It makes it tough to build that. And if, as a Nets fan, I'd be concerned that my team is going to blow an opportunity to win a championship as good as they are with as many pieces as they have. You know, things may go haywire. On the flip side, hey look. These are all human beings. They all have families. We don't know what the issue is. It could be a sick relative. It could be financial trouble. It could be it could be anything, right? It could be mental health issues with himself or his family. It could be anything. At the end of the day, the games come and go. Your job comes and goes. But your family is your family. And you got to take care of that, right? So while I like, while I, I enjoy the banter of people speculating about what it does to the Nets, let's not forget that at the end of the day, Kyrie Irving's a human being with a family. He's got a wife, he's got kids, he's got a mom, he's got a dad, he's got a sister, a brother. Those things are more important than your job. They're more important than winning a championship. Spare me that he gets paid a lot of money crap. It doesn't matter. Money doesn't bring back a lost relative. Money doesn't bring back a lost parent or a lost sibling. So, at the, at the same time that we speculate about the Nets and their title run, let's have some respect for Kyrie Irving and what he may be going through. Right? We don't know what it is. Their personal family matters, and we have to respect that. So, as much as everyone likes to talk about Kyrie, and you know, I like to complain about Kyrie as well, and my argument against him has been, look, there's 360 guys in the NBA. They've all got families. And somehow, you know, very few of them have to take leaves to deal with their family issues. So, you know, I've speculated that as well. But at the end of the day, we should respect Kyrie and his family issues, whatever they may be. Wish him the very best. Hope he gets well soon, whatever it is. Hope it gets resolved. And hope he comes back to the Nets so they can go back to building that team that's going to bring home a championship to Brooklyn, New York. Certainly that's what Nets fans hope. <clears throat> Another uh, case of a player missing in action or missing 
not an action. He's just missing. Is LeBron James and a high ankle sprain that has him out of the Lakers lineup. They said indefinitely. That just tells me that they don't want to tell us when he's coming back. Because ultimately, it's going to be up to LeBron. Now, LeBron's never been accused of flaking on his team or anything like that. But an injury to him, especially on the heels of an injury to Anthony Davis, brings a lot of concern to Laker Nation. Just a few weeks ago, they were the two-seed behind the red-hot Utah Jazz. They were only a game out, I believe. And now they're four games out, sitting in the four-seed. And what's worse is, you know, the nine-seed is ten games out. Only six games behind. With 27 to play, if the Lakers only manage to go, say, 13 and 14 the rest of the way because of the injury issues, which is a... Total possibility, depending on how long those gentlemen are out. You know, a 19-8 and run is not unheard of. And now, all of a sudden, they're out. So, it uh, it is a precarious situation. And look, the Lakers were struggling when Anthony Davis was out. Right? They were already struggling without the big man. His issue was a calf issue... That just progressively got worse, a hamstring issue. And those are concerning because when when you have those kinds of issues, if you come back early, the place where you usually see it pop, and, and pop is a bad word, but it's kind of appropriate here, is with the Achilles, which can be a season-ending injury. So they were already having issues not having Anthony Davis in the lineup. Now they're missing LeBron James in the lineup as well. And so, while they are the defending NBA champions, they did it in the bubble, which is probably a tougher situation than normal. So they've got a certain amount of team cohesiveness. They've got the know-how. LeBron James obviously knows how to get to the finals, knows how to win NBA championships, and now Anthony Davis does as well. It's difficult to get any kind of rhythm going going forward if those two guys don't make it back to the lineup. Now, I am not terribly concerned, and while I speculated that they could fall out of a playoff spot, I don't think it'll be that bad. LeBron, I don't think, will be out that long. It'll probably be five or six games total, maybe seven or eight. There's still, even if he ends up out eight games, there'd still be another 20 games to play. So, you know, not terrible. And it's a high ankle sprain that it's one of those things where once you get over it, you get over it and you go on. If he doesn't come back too soon, shouldn't be an issue. The Anthony Davis injury is obviously a little more concerning because just of where it is uh, with it being a calf and Achilles strain, you know, you you, you got to kind of be careful and, and, and make sure that it doesn't end up being something... Uh, Something more severe than that. Uh, you know, it, it's it's dicey. It is, it is very, very dicey. Um, so I don't know when either one of those guys will be back. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Because look, 
that team is incredibly entertaining should they uh, should they all be there, right? They are, you know, they're the Lakers. They're the Showtime Lakers, and uh, when LeBron and Anthony Davis are on the court, it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. They are both highly entertaining top 10 players in the NBA. So we hope they come back. And that is that. That's all I have for today. I don't want to talk about anything else. I want to talk more. I'll take it back. I do want to talk more, but I don't like talking more without my brother. I miss my brother. I like having him on the show. I like going back and forth with him. He's more knowledgeable than I am on a lot of these things, certainly with the NBA. So it's a lot of fun. But, hey, not having him gave me the opportunity to talk to you guys about NCAA wrestling. No, not Hulk Hogan. No, not The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin. College wrestling. If you get a chance next spring, catch out catch the NCAA wrestling tournament. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of people wrestling at the same time. It's just like the first couple of days of the NCAA tournament. Actually, it's even more because you can get eight matches at a time. It's March Madness on steroids, or as they like to call it in the wrestling world, March Madness. There you go. That's all I have for today. As always, folks, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate your patronage. Patronage implies you pay something, but this is free. Just for you. Free. Free of charge. Um, If you can use it for free stuff, then I appreciate your patronage. (laughs) Sometimes you get tongue-tied when you talk by yourself for 35 minutes or however long it's been. With that, we've come to the end of another wonderful episode of the Positive Sports Podcast. As always, folks, ignore the negativity. Be the positivity. Peace.